Welcome to Tech Bytes. This is our monthly conversation where I, Craig Young, have a chat to an influential digital leader. This month we're talking to Dr. Lloyd McCann, a thought leader in the digital health space. I hope you enjoy this session. Well, kia ora and welcome to this month's Tech Bytes. My name is Craig Young. I'm the CEO of the Tech Users Association. And it is um, my real privilege and pleasure this month to be talking to uh, Dr. Lloyd McCann, um, who um, I've known for a little while now. Um, Lloyd, you've graciously been part of a couple of our bigger events for both our Flint and our Two Ends program and uh, a very well-received speaker, I, I might say, as well. Um, at that time, you were the CEO of Mercy Radiology, and I know a, a lot has changed since that, notwithstanding this little thing called a pandemic. Um, so would you mind introducing yourself a little, including the things you're working on at the moment and some of the other things you're involved in? Sure. Kia ora katoa. Firstly, look, um, great to connect again, Craig, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, said love, love the work you're doing. Um, it's always a pleasure to um, be part of the, the korero, part of the conversation. Um, so as you said, yes, a few things have changed. Um, I've moved into the CEO role for Tamaki Health, um, one of New Zealand's largest um, primary and community care providers. Um, and obviously there's there's a bit happening in that component of the sector, which I'm <laughs> sure we can talk about. Um, but yeah, also, also um, kind of trying to contribute a little bit more broadly. Um, so still involved. Um, in a few initiatives on the technology side of things in health, um, still contributing to some work with the Accident Compensation Corporation. Um, and then, yeah, most, most importantly, still being kept very busy by um, now six-year-old twins um, uh, at home who, who are delightful and, and hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Look, you've had quite a journey. I mean, I went back to your LinkedIn profile to have a look at it. Um, and and that doesn't always tell you everything, but um, yeah, can you can we just start the conversation with a, a few of the key skills that you've learned or experiences you've had on your journey to this point? Thanks. Yes. Yeah, so look, it's always um, great to have the opportunity, I guess, to to reflect. Um, I think in in recent times, um, attending medical students conferences and that type of thing. One of the things I have been reflecting on is is actually how, how long I've been working in the sector. Um, so that 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 comes as a bit confronting sometimes. But no, actually, you know, I, I think I've been very fortunate to have a, a broad experience within health, but then also importantly outside of health. Um, so actually, some of the the things I've been reflecting most on um, are the opportunities and lessons learned through my time time serving in the territorial force for the New Zealand Army. Um, and also some of the work I did with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise when we when we um, returned from the UK initially, um, and I guess for me, you know, the, the, the one of kind of the key take home messages in that, um, and I think this is something we as a, a sector in health and a system in health struggle with sometimes, is that um, you know health health is very special, but it's just as special as every other sector and industry. So if you look at, um, I guess, some of the trends in relation to adoption and use of, of technology, which I know we'll talk about again some more within health, you could make a very strong argument that we've been slow, we've kind of lagged um, in terms of the adoption and use of some of these technologies, particularly technologies that enable the consumer or the patient to do what they need to do for themselves. Um, 
And then to come back to your your question, I guess just uh, around reflections, um, what I what I do notice and I guess know with me is a lot of the skills um, and experiences and, and knowledge I gained through work in the army and with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, I actually use on a on a day to day basis in my in my job in my kind of day job in health. Um, a lot of that comes down to to, to leadership and and people. Um, you know, always talk about the sort of bionic approach we need to adopt in health, and that's around the interface between the, the socio-technical system, socio-components and the technical components. Um, and without good and, and strong leadership, actually, we, we may as well all go home and kind of pack our bags, right? Um, it's mm -hmm. about the people at the end of the day. And where you see good leadership enabled and leadership that empowers others through through systems and organisations, that's kind of where the magic happens. And, you know, if I reflect on my career to date, um, where we have been able to make progress and, and reasonable advances, it's always been through the collective action and efforts of individuals um, with common purpose, kind of aligned by common values, but enabled by very positive and strong leadership. That's so cool. Look, look one of the things that when I'm talking to people like yourselves and other CEOs and CIOs as I've done these interviews, is just the the journey that people take to get to the role they're in at the moment. But but it's always interesting to go back to the beginning as well. So I know that you trained as a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what led you as a young person into, into that? Quite, you know, it takes a long time to become one. So you've got to make a, a real commitment. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a really great question. Um, again, sort of have reflected um and you know, through through kind of later years of primary school and high school, I always thought I was going to go off and become an engineer, mainly because I loved MacGyver. Um, <laughs> um, so that that was kind of where my head was at. But as as sort of time went on and in my, my later years in high school in South Africa, I got the opportunity to um, do some community service work um, in healthcare, different healthcare organisations where I guess you know, what started opening my eyes was the the, the realisation that the, the need was pretty significant and very real in, in the South African context. Um, and then equally coming to New Zealand and and when my family moved, we literally lived up north in Kirikiri. Um, and so spending time up north, um, I guess seeing some of the, the inequity and the disparity in terms of, you know, outcomes for, for people, um, in, in certain populations, Māori, um, in particular in the, the Northland context, um, kind of, yeah, just just made me reflect on where it might be possible to kind of make a contribution and make a difference. So um, I did hedge my bets. I applied for med school. And I also, at that point, actually, uh, in engineering had kind of gone by the wayside. I also applied to, to cut a law school. Um, got got an interview for for med school and um i remember this sort of vividly um i was doing my basic training with the army at the same time um and got a call um from my parents um who said oh your your letters arrived and you've been you know you've been shortlisted for an interview um and i was like oh well that's great I'll, i'm gonna need to talk to you know my staff sergeant about getting time off from basic training, which is which is actually something that's quite unheard of. Um, um, anyway, we, that, they did. And so I was, um, you know, on a, I think on a bus at midnight, um, coming back from Wairu to Auckland um, for a 9, 9 a.m. interview. 
Um, needless to say, the, the interview went reasonably well and, and I sort of got in and the rest of this, as they say, is history. But yeah, it's, it's been driven by, I think, that, that real passion for people. Um, and to some degree, I must say also a, a naive view around what, what doctors do in society. And as, as you know, my career has progressed and developed, I've recognised again that the opportunity for, for medical professionals, not just doctors, is actually, again, to contribute as, as broader leaders for societal change. Yeah, cool. So let, let's draw that out a little bit because, you know, we're a technology organisation. Mm. One of the key things that I know about you is about advocating for the use of technology to drive these consumer-centred experience outcomes. So what values of yours have driven that perspective and how did you become interested in utilising technology in, in this health sector? Yeah, look, I think I think a lot of it does stem from um, that that very deep sense of, of um kind of justice and, and and what is right. And again, I've I've got, you know, a unique set of biases, I guess, growing up in apartheid South Africa. Um, and so I think what I was able to observe again very early on through med school and actually also through through time in the army was where you had opportunities to improve things like access, improve things like communication, improve things through information flow by utilizing um, some pretty amazing technology. Um, drives better outcome for people. Um, so it, it kind of is that typical blend of, you know, actually this is better for individuals and you get some system benefits on, you know, the safety side of things, the efficiency side of things, et cetera. Um, I think the, the the kind of rubber hit the road for me in, in terms of wanting to go and learn some more within the technology domain and, and then actually work in that domain. Um, in my early years as a, a house surgeon in the hospital where, um, I guess a, a number of peers around me, um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd complain to each other about um, the technological solutions we had. We'd, we'd you know, we'd, we'd say things like, why are we still walking around with pages and that sort of mm -hmm. thing? Um, and I guess, again, through, you know, uh, other experiences and positive experiences in kind of terms of stepping into a leadership role, I thought, well, you know, actually we should try and do something about this mm -hmm. rather than yeah. just moan about it. Um, so got involved in, in a few projects and initiatives quite early on in my career around, um, yeah, adopting new technologies to solve different problems. And, you know, the, the, the classic, if you take a user-centered design approach, kind of played out, right? When we started giving input and feedback, um, the, 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 the technology improved. Hey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that, that kind of positive reinforcement loop that, that drove a lot of that early engagement for me. Yeah. Yeah, look. Um, I mean, now you're at the other end of the scale. You're at the, You're a CEO. Um, you've been a CEO of, uh, at the pointy end of an organisation now for, since about 2018. Mm. I can see that. But what were some of the gotchas or surprises that that you saw when you took on the top role in an organisation? Yeah, look. I think I think um, my first reflection is um, there, there are ongoing gotchas and surprises. Um, I think that's one of the things I actually enjoy most about um, being being you know in a privileged position to be in a leadership role. Um, I think yeah, for me, sort of early on, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd read again, read lots about the the kind of burden of decision making and. Um, you know, being being at the point end, like you say, the the, the kind of responsibility and the, the sort of buck stopping with you and the board. Um, but the kind of true weight of that is something I, I hadn't contemplated until I was actually sort of in, in the seat, so to speak. 
Um, and that's also, you know, with the Army experience, where again, from a, a pretty young age, I had the opportunity to lead platoons, lead companies and that type of thing. Um, I guess, obviously, with a, a slightly different purpose when you're sort of in the, the commercial, technological and, and health world, um, the, the, the burden of that responsibility was something that, that did kind of hit me quite hard. Um, and what I kind of relied and fell back on again was support from family, um, particularly Karina, my wife, but also, you know, a number of the the awesome mentors and, and sort of coaches I've had through my career. So other leaders that have kind of been there, done that. Um, I think the the other thing, and, and you mentioned the pandemic, um, you know, the, the other gotcha was the, the, the arrival of COVID-19 on, on our shores. Um, the, 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 the surprise gotcha or the nice gotcha for me, though, was actually how rapidly we as a health system were a, actually able to pivot and respond to, um, you know, a, a threat that ultimately sort of unified us, unified us not only as a system, but as a country. Um, and so, again, there's a lot written and, and talked about around how risk averse we are on health. And yet, you know, overnight, because it literally was overnight, we pivoted from a traditionally face-to-face -face service delivery channel to a virtual service delivery channel like that, you know. We made the decision, next day we were doing it. And so I think the, 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 the nice got you or the nice surprise for me was actually the degree to which people's appetite for change and then the ability to actually engage in that change enabled by a technology um, was actually very high. Um, and so the reflection for me was actually how do we kind of build this into our culture more broadly, um, which is still a work in progress, um, to actually enable that to be the, you know, the predominant paradigm for ourselves as healthcare professionals. The simple one that got me was... Um suddenly my GP could actually email my prescription to the pharmacy. It's like, I've been thinking about it for so long. Why couldn't you just do that? This whole writing yes. things out was, was annoying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, yeah, I just want to come back to you. I mean, you do have a unique perspective because of your where you grew up and um, and you've mentioned being in Kitty Kitty. Um, so you're a leader in tech, so we, we're sort of stepping up a little bit now. You know, what words of advice would you give to inspiring leaders in particular in trying to develop their careers? And, and I do want to come come on this one, you know, how to encourage more unrepresented groups, so yes. like Wahini, Māori, Pacific, like get involved in leading this digital economy? Yeah, look, it's, it's a really great question. And, you know, my, my reflection is you're doing an awesome job and your organisation is doing an awesome job. Um, so, you know, I, I would encourage other leaders to continue to support um, purpose and, and values-driven organisations like yourself. I think a, a critical thing for me, and, and it's, it's, it's difficult, um, but something I really try to engage in every day is, is consistently and constantly, both those words, mm -hmm continuing to check in around our own biases as, as leaders of organisations um, because we've all got them. Um, and, you know, in some instances, they're actually pretty scary. I think when we start doing that and, and sort of take ownership of that ourselves, our ability to be, you know, inclusive and have a slightly more um, kind of broad view around what diversity and inclusion actually looks like is markedly improved. 
um, because I think unless we're deliberate about it, so this is my ask of, of other leaders, unless we're deliberate about it and actually, you know, working that into our decision-making processes on a day-to-day -day basis, we're just going to end up with more of the same. Um, so I know, you know, that there is a lot that's controversial about an approach like that. It's, it's happening in health right now, actually, around the, the you know, the arguments for, for, for equity and, and fairness in terms of actually giving um, priority access to certain groups within the population. Um, again, I've clearly got a bias growing up in apartheid South Africa. <laughs> Unless you do that, I don't think you can actually make progress. So, yeah, my, my advice and my ask would be um, be deliberate about this and actually, you know, don't be afraid to step forward and say, well, no, actually, I'm, I'm deliberately looking to hire for this profile or I'm deliberately looking to engage in this development program that allows us to, you know, bring Wahini, Māori Pacifica in, into the decision-making table. We should do that because it's the right thing to do, but we should also do that because the evidence tells us, you know, in health and in um, broader society and other organisations that when you've got diversity at the table, the outcomes you're able to generate across the board, you know, whether we're talking about health outcomes, commercial outcomes, outcomes, et cetera, are markedly enhanced because the plan and the solutions you develop are going to be so much more robust. Yeah, yeah, great. Hey, look, um, just it would be remiss of me to talk to you without asking you a question about the impact of future technologies on the delivery of health services. I mean, that's one of the things that you shared at the presentations at, at our conferences, which were most interesting. But, you know, thinking about it, what are some of the most exciting developments you think we'll see in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, look, there's 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 a lot that is happening. And I think, um, you know, it, it is pleasing to see that people are starting to engage more deliberately within this domain. So, you know, digital health, we're, we're starting to realise some of the potential that it does offer. Um, so I, I kind of try to think about this across sort of three dimensions. Um, dimension one is how do we optimize the status quo? So I think something I'm excited about, you know, in terms of the, the year and our delivery is the, the role automation will have to play in, in how we deliver services and probably most impactfully how we utilize, you know, various automation technologies and methodologies to um, streamline administrative service delivery. So, you know, that, that exactly that, that kind of use case you pointed out, um, prescriptions being written out and going to pharmacy, that, that's now all electronic, right? Um, we still rely on a lot of paper shuffling around the health system um, to, you know, tell people about appointments and that type of thing. But we're starting to see now, you know, this is this is something Mercy led in. We're starting to see now the use of um, very, very kind of, you know, well-utilized approaches like online booking and, and other digital channels that actually, you know, puts the power in the consumer or the patient's hand to decide when I come and interact and engage with, with health systems. So, that's that's really exciting for me in in, in terms of you know um, the 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 first dimension. Second dimension I think about is is something I refer to as the transitionary dimension. So how do we actually utilize technology to enable us to go from point A to point B? 
Um, and so a lot that is happening in this space relates to, again, enabling information flow between different healthcare professionals. So how do we move from, you know, operating as individual clinicians to actually operating and working as part of teams? Because we know when we work as a team, the outcomes we're generating from patients is, is markedly improved. Um, and so solutions like clinical and patient portals are really starting to deliver great value in that space. Um, and also we're seeing increased use and adoption of standards to enable some of that information flow, um, which is awesome. The third dimension is the, the transformative dimension. Um, so again, you know, it, it would be remiss of me to, to not talk about things um, like AI, um, yeah. artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, this is a little bit scary. I think, you know, we've seen things like ChatGPT come to market, um, literally go, um, you know, up to 100 million users in two months, beat Facebook by three years and 10 months, you know, in terms of, of use and adoption. Um, interestingly, I think that the reason healthcare professionals, again, need to engage in, you know, the development and design of platforms like ChatGPT and other AI tools is that um, we know that, um, success for, you know, the ChatGPT platform is around, you know, increased use. So the way ChatGPT has actually been trained from a healthcare perspective as an algorithm is um, instead of being accurate, it's been trained to be persuasive. So in some instances, we see it making up references from medical journals and that type of thing, right? Um, so the, the transformative opportunity for AI is enormous. And I think we're already starting to see use cases where clinical decision-making is enhanced. Um, equally, if we're not deliberate and thoughtful about it, what we know will happen is that we'll you know, exacerbate inequity in terms of outcomes mm -hmm. um, by virtue of lower access for you know, priority populations. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important healthcare professionals engage in design development of those transformative or third dimension technologies like AI and other things. Robotic technologies would be another, you know, sort of game changer. Um, things like, you know, exoskeletons to enable people who, who have lost use of, of limbs. In fact, it was um, on the news the other day, first bionic arm transplanted, um, Onto a patient in the UK, you know that that lady's life is is changed, um, you know, for, for the better. Um, so there, there there is a lot to be excited about. We just need to be sure we're deliberately stepping into engaging with these technologies so that we don't end up with unintended consequences. Yeah, I really like that that comment at the end. It's so important. Um, we we've been talking about AI this year. We've got a position out on AI, keeping the user at the centre of AI. But it was yep. interesting to see on my Facebook feed the other day popped up. Um, we had done events back in 2019 on AI, you know, the, the, the start of it. And I remember the conversations, you know, the presentations you made to um, our events, you know, talking about the use of AI and radiology and stuff. So yeah. it's been around a while, but you're right. This chat GPT thing this year has just exploded and, and consumers have seen it. That's really where it's come to. Absolutely. Um, look, I always ask this question of leaders at the end because I want to ask you a broad, broad mm. brush. You know, you are a digital leader in Aotearoa. This is a nation-building thing. You know, what big ideas do you think a country like ours should focus on if we want to move up the, the digital competitive ladder? Yeah. Look, I, I, I think that, you know, and this is, this is one of the great things about Aotearoa, I think we kind of always um, punch above our weight, bet above our average, whichever kind of sporting analogy <laughs> you, you want to use. 
Um, what I what I would kind of not not caution, but what I would ask everyone to kind of you know keep in mind is let's not become complacent around that though. Um, let's let's continue to push the boundaries and to challenge. I think you know rightly or wrongly because I think it's actually a very positive thing in a number of ways. Um, you know the, the the kind of age old sort of tall poppy syndrome still comes back to bite us every now and then. Um, we've got literally. And I know this because we we've worked, we've lived overseas and that type of thing, but we've literally got some of the smartest, brightest, most creative thinkers, you know, in the world here in New Zealand. And we need to enable and unleash these individuals to to kind of, you know, go and not, not only benefit New Zealanders, but um potentially make an impact on a global stage. So I think, you know, one of my asks would be let's again systematize the ability for you know up and comers and, and creative thinkers to actually engage in development design etc cetera, etc cetera. and again i think you know organizations like yourself play such a critical role in that let's let's get the pathways open um we do need to continually invest in education um because again i think that that's just the kind of doorway to to everything else improving um, and we need to, you know, to come back to some comments I made earlier, be very deliberate about how we, you know, manage some of those educational opportunities to ensure that it's an equitable playing field um, so that everybody has the opportunity to kind of, you know, make a contribution. The final thing I'd say in, in that space is, um, you know, I, I think, again, we're, we're uniquely positioned to kind of describe and view and and, and come to a landing on what the, the problems are, what the big problems are that we need to solve. Um, and then because of that, that kind of nature to actually go on and, and get things done and get things, you know, tested and then kind of rolled out more broadly, we really need to leverage and utilise that to a greater degree. So, you know, again, cliched, fail fast, all of that type of thing. Yeah. But all of those principles do actually work. Um, and so, again, I'd be encouraging people to, to, you know, get things out into market, get things tested. Um, the beautiful thing about technology is the ability to generate um, real-time or near real-time feedback loops. So, you know, you can test and adjust on the way. Cool. Uh, look, thank, it's been a real pleasure uh, and privilege again to talk to you. Have you got any last comments or thoughts you'd like to share before we close? Um, no, look, thank you again for the opportunity, um, Craig, and just, um, you know, want to say thank you to to you for your leadership um, and to, you know, two ends um, for, for the awesome work it is doing. Um, love how you're, you know, you're keeping um, some of our political leaders honest um, by inviting them in to, to, to have these <laughs> yeah. discussions. It's what we continually need to do, right? I did see a post on LinkedIn the other day, which which was again very very poignant um, from an economist, a well known economist. Um, you know, just around some of the, I guess, the political discourse that is happening, um, and that was, you know, around the fact that yeah, there's a lot of commentary, I guess, around you know not focusing on the right issues or you know petty issues and then that type of thing. And his reflection was actually our leaders are reflecting back, you know, what we're prioritizing and what we're behaving. So, yeah, we've got to own some of that um, and, and you know, engage in discourse and conversation about the big issues, some of which you've touched on today, um, because ultimately, you know, we make a huge contribution to the direction of travel for, for our country. So everybody's got to step up, basically. Yeah.
Cool. Hey, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Um, people who are listening, you can see this again on our YouTube channel. It will be up there um, um, early next week. And it will also be available as audio on any audio platform that you can think of. I think I've just about got it everywhere. Um, but uh, And you'll be able to listen to Dr. McCann again and again if you want to. That's some great, great pieces of wisdom and uh, leadership in there. Uh, next month, we're talking with Lee Timutimu. He is one of the leaders in, Māori, in the Māori tech sector in New Zealand. And uh, we'll be talking about what they're doing and how they're looking to build that sector as well. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, mātiwa.